You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We're excited to have you with us today. Please tag a friend. Let them know that we're alive. You can also get the audio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is Real Talk with Pastor Mike and Miss Pete. It's about our journey of marriage. So I have my guest with me. To my right is my wife of 42 and a half years. 42 and a half years, affectionately known as Miss Pete. Will you welcome her today? Hey, everybody. <clears throat> to my left, I have my beautiful daughter, Tiffany, and she is going to serve as our facilitator today. Will you welcome Tiffany? Good to have you, Tiff. Hello, everybody. Listen, we're talking about real talk, and we're talking about our marriage journey. This is 42 and a half years, so it's a journey. We thought about an analogy that will help you to understand what we're doing and where we're trying to go with this. For example, everything begins with a seed, a seed. Then once you have the seed, you have to plant the seed into the ground. When the seed is planted in the ground, it is hidden. It is in a dark place. But at some point, the seed will begin to grow. That's the third area. And then finally, the the growing seed will end up being a fruit plant or this pineapple, for example. And that's the way our marriage journey has been. 42 and a half years, it all began with a seed. Every relationship has a beginning. And that's what we talked about in our first episode. In our second episode, we talked about the early years of our marriage and our marriage was in a dark place. We didn't have a lot of words and have a lot of insight on marriage, but it was in a dark place. Today, we're going to talk about how the marriage began to grow, the growing years. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the full fruit, the manifestation, where we are presently in our marriage. But today, we're just going to talk about the growing stage of our marriage, and it's going to be exciting. You're going to be blessed. Now, remember, this is our marriage journey. This is not everyone's marriage journey. This is our marriage journey. So wherever you are in your relationship, I believe you can get some from it. If you are single, listen, you can learn a a lot of things about what not to do when you are married. You can also learn some positive things. If you are married and you got this great marriage, then you can, it's just a confirmation that you're doing some good things because that's why you got a good marriage. So it should encourage you. But if you're in a troubled marriage and we were in a troubled marriage, then it hopefully it will provide some hope, some encouragement that God can deliver you and God can bring you to another place. So we're in our third episode of Real Talk 
And at this time, I'm going to turn it over to our facilitator. This is Tiffany. Hey. Tiffany, it's yours. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. So um, a lot of you who are watching, I know um, you may not have been able to relate to the beginning or you may not have been able to relate to the early years. But in my personal opinion, I think that this phase, the growth phase, is where a lot of you all are currently at. Okay, and So we're going to do this phase a little bit differently. Um, in the past two phases, they kind of just gave their journey testimony and they just share from there. But this time we're going to hit four different topics. Okay. And so the four different topics that we're going to talk about today, the first one is going to be money. So any, any questions or anything that you have concerning money, you can listen. You can also send those questions in as well. We'll answer those later on down the road. The second one we're going to be discussing is children. And then the other two we're going to be talking about intimacy. I know you guys are going to love that one. And then the last <laughs> one we're going to be talking about is conflict, okay? So we have four different areas that we're going to be um, touching on today. I do want to reemphasize that they are being vulnerable. They're sharing their story. They're sharing their journey. This is their journey. You guys may not be on the same path, but there's always something that you can learn from their journey as well. All right, so let's talk about money. All right, y'all ready to dive into it? Money. All right, so in the beginning of marriage, what was you all's perspective when it came to money? So Ms. Pete, what was your what was your thoughts about money? And then Pastor, I'll let you go ahead and give okay. your thoughts about money. Well, growing up, our past affects our present. So growing up, um, my dad was a coal miner. Um, and he had money. My mama had money, but I didn't have no money. So, uh, you know, when I, 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 so I, I had a lack of money. They didn't have a lack of money. I had a lack of money in growing up. So, you know, that kind of played into to my relationship with my spouse. That lack of money that I had, not they had, I had. And then um, my mom had kind of planted a seed in my mind. And sometimes our past can affect our future, how you were raised and stuff. So my mom had kind of planted in my mind that you don't really trust the man. You know, you got to <laughs> learn the man. You don't start out trusting the man. So that seed had been planted in my mind. She had said it over and over and over. So, like I said, when you first get married, you don't really know each other. So, I didn't really know him when it came to money. So, my philosophy was, and this <laughs> came from my past, from my experience with my mom, and who I loved and adored and had a lot of influence on me. So, in the relationship, Pastor Mike's money that he made working was our money. But my money, that was my money. So he had, he paid all the bills. I helped him with the bills. He knew what I made, but uh, he didn't really have a lot of say on what else I did with the money after I paid my bills. But that had a lot to do with my past upbringing. Um, and later that changed. I began to trust him. But early in the marriage, no, nah, I didn't really... I guess I didn't really trust him because of the seed that had been planted in my mind from my past experience. So you grew up, your money your money was kind of like you had to kind of keep it to yourself. And Did you share with him how oh, much yeah, money I you paid had? Bills. Yeah, he knew what I made. Okay. But he didn't have, after 
Did pay. you hide any money? Any, any no, I never hid okay. the money. I never hid the money. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> I never hid. I never hid the money. I have paid some of the bills, okay. but that that which was left over, he didn't have no say into that. That was my. He made. He said he. You know what he said? He said he made. He the head. So the head. Take care of the bills and take care of the finances. And my little money was my money. Now I know that was wrong, uh, but that was my philosophy at the beginning of marriage. Okay, so what was your perspective? You, you know, uh, Pete said something that I think is very important for everyone to get, is that before your mind is renewed from the word, mm-hmm. when you come into a marriage, you bring in your past. Mm-hmm. That can be negative. That can be positive. Mm-hmm. You're basically operating out of your past. My background was totally different. I would say that peace background in terms of material prosperity, I don't know if either one of our families were rich, mm-hmm. but her family had more money than my family. My family was a, a relatively poor family, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it growing up. But the thing that I got from my parents was that my mother worked at, was a homemaker. My daddy worked. And when he worked, he brought the check home. Mm-hmm. And he brought the check home to my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and together they worked out whatever they're going to do with the money. Mm-hmm. So when I came into marriage, I thought. We were going to put all our money. <laughs> That's what you thought. I thought we were going to put all our money together. So y'all never discussed this before y'all got married? No, we didn't, discuss- we didn't have no premarital counseling. We didn't have no premarital counseling. I mean, you may not have had premarital counseling, but y'all didn't talk about money. money. We uh-huh. were in love. Okay. What money has to do with it? Okay. Money has nothing to do with it until you get mad. Okay. Okay. So I thought we were going to put our money together. And so I'm thinking like... And I didn't read it in the Bible. I just knew that's the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And so when I wanted to put that money, people put that. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She didn't want to combine that money. She she said no. She didn't want to combine that money. And I knew she didn't trust me doing. <laughs> <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't trust me doing that time. I know she didn't. Cause mm-hmm. she, you know if we got in a debate and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little later. P had about two thousand dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. Cause I think your mother after, wanted after you to all, always wanted you to be able to. Leave if you if knew, I had to. If you had to. <laughs> <laughs> and she had the, our car. I had a brand new car. I had a little car. Oh, in a little funny. car. And so and she would let me know that she had money in the bank and that she had a car and she'd go home. Yeah. And so we we didn't have a lot of money, but we weren't putting the money together. So how long did that phase of y'all not putting your money together last? You know, you had to learn. I had to learn to trust him. The seed that had been planted by my mom of not trusting a man, um, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It did not happen overnight. I had to begin to trust him and to feel like he had my best interests at heart. Okay. So when did your perspective eventually change and y'all got on the same page about the money aspect? Well, you know, after a period of time, when you first get married, unless you had a long dating period Mm -hmm. or you grew up knowing the person, you're you're learning each other. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know whether or not I'm going to pay bills. She doesn't know whether I'm responsible or not. Mm -hmm. So 
over a period of time, you're living together. You know, the, we didn't we didn't make a lot of bills. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But we would pay the bills. Mm-hmm. She knew I was responsible in paying the bills. Uh, even though we didn't have a lot of money, we didn't get behind on anything. And so at, over a period of time, and then I'm a young minister, so I'm preaching, mm-hmm. you know, the word. So then we're trying to do it. And then over a period of time, I don't know exactly when it happened, but over a period of time, we got to the point where well, we began to trust. We began to trust each other, mm-hmm. and then we start put we start putting it together. Okay, so but was- I think it still was your money, was your <laughs> money, and my money was was the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't a particular thing that caused you all to kind of get on the same page. It, it was beginning of- trust. You don't trust is takes time. You don't trust somebody today. It takes time. That person has to walk the path. And as they walk the path and you see that they're doing right, then you begin to trust them. I can't give you a time frame, but all I know is that as the journey was going, I began to trust him more and more. And he had my best interest And I, I don't know where where it came from, but I think at a point we began to realize that we could do better if mm-hmm. we did it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided that we were going to put our money together and she was going to know what mm-hmm. uh, was happening. I don't think there was ever time where I was just handling stuff and she didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then we both knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, earlier she was working, too. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with tithing. Well, Michael was introduced to tithing, taking 10% of your income and giving it to God. Well, I didn't trust him on <laughs> that one either. And so Michael started tithing way before I did. Mm-hmm. So I began to get more information on God and, and his promises and and it was the same thing with God. Mm-hmm. As I began to see him tithe, and he'd be consistent in tithing. And then I began to see the benefits of tithing because mm-hmm. his, you know, it affected me too. I had to begin to trust God that God had my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And so when we were, when I was first introduced to tithing, I didn't buy into that either. Yeah, He did it, but I didn't do it. But as I began to get more information and I began to walk the journey with God, then I saw that God had my best interest at heart, too. So I began to trust God. You know, uh, from the very beginning, and a lot has to do with your upbringing, my daddy was responsible for taking care of our home financially. He didn't make a lot of money, but he was responsible. So when I came into the marriage, I felt like... I was responsible for taking care of the family. I thought that too. Yeah, and she, <laughs> and she thought that too. So I didn't have a I didn't have a mindset that you have to work or you have to do this. Mm-hmm. And even when I I started teaching tithing early at our at the first church I pastored. So mm-hmm. when I started teaching, I want to do it too. Yeah. So. We start. I started tithing that money that I was making. I didn't force her to tithe. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't say, "Well, you got to tithe too." Mm-hmm. No, I just started tithing out of the money because I felt like I was responsible for the household. Mm-hmm. 
So you you talk about, Pastor talks a lot about in his sermon how you all kind of went through a struggle phase. I remember you were on the couch and y'all were crying because you didn't have enough money to go do different things. So when it comes to people who are watching, um, navigate us through that not enough phase. What is what it, What was it like for you all in that not enough phase? That was in uh, a lot of part of our marriage. That was not enough. But I always have had a philosophy. I don't know where I got it from. Even though you don't have the money, I don't have. Like, it were things that I wanted to do for my kids, to do for you all, that I didn't have the money. But don't let a lack of money stop you. For example, you may want to take your kids to Disney World. Mm -hmm. Look at the books. There's no Disney World on the money books. But don't allow the the, the desire to that of not being able to take your kids to Disney World to just, well, we're not going to do nothing. You can do something. Mm -hmm. And so um, you could, like, uh, what I do at camp, what I used to do when I was a little kid, and I do at camp, I find the kids still love it. Uh, I would take them. With them, with Mike and Tiffany. I would take the kids from camp over at the church, put on the water holes, water guns, and they will stay out there for hours having fun. So, yeah, I can't take you to Disney World, but I can take you out in the backyard with a water hose and water gun and we can have fun. So don't let a lack of money stop you. Like, for example, I wanted to take you out to Disney World. And so what I did, I don't know how I came about it. I did some research at the library where this lady had took her kids for $1,000. And so... We saved $1,000, and we were able to take four kids to Disney World. Now, I wasn't able to buy all For us. Us four. Us four. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to buy all the Mickey and the Minis and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And y'all wanted T-shirts. I didn't buy them at the theme park. I went to Walmart where they were cheaper at Walmart. Bought them at Walmart, and you all wanted the Mickey hand and all that. We couldn't afford that. So what I did, I got the free brochures Mm -hmm. that all the different places had. And when I came back home... I did a project with you all to do a scrapbook, mm-hmm. and you all did a scrapbook. So there are always ways to do stuff. Like, we couldn't go on vacations, but we could go to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Okay. Tuscaloosa, and at a later age, we've been able to go to Greece. We've been able to go to Europe. We've been able to go to Israel. Uh, but in our early days, we couldn't do all that, but we could go to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. So don't lack a, let a lack of money just stop you in your tracks from doing anything. You could go on a picnic. Yeah. You could go to the park. Mm-hmm. They have jazz in the park. Your husband, you could go to jazz in the park. So don't let a lack of money stop you from doing anything and just sitting in the house or uh, not letting the kids do anything. You may not could take them to Splash Adventure, mm-hmm. but y'all can splash in your backyard. So my philosophy is don't let a lack of money stop you yeah. from doing stuff. And so, Pastor, as a husband, I know finances for a lot of men is a big thing, right? So in that phase of not enough, how did you kind of navigate through that? Because you knew your family had some needs and some wants. You knew your wife had some needs and wants. How did you kind of navigate through that? Well, you know, uh, I I, I want to reiterate something that, that uh, Pete said. And I asked you this question, and I asked Mike this question. When we were growing, I asked them when uh, they were growing mm-hmm. up, did you all know 
that we had marital problems and y'all mm -hmm. both said no? Mm -hmm. Did y'all know that we had financial problems mm -hmm. and y'all both said no? Right. So our kids never knew how tight it was because Pete was always doing stuff. I mean, from the lot taking y'all to, to the library, library. the Ensley Park had free swim. It was on the lessons. swim mm -hmm. team, and and Cause I remember that free pizza. I used to get free pizza at the library. <laughs> you read a book, and you got a free pizza. That was that was and, good for and me. And the baseball team, Mike played baseball. You played, played softball. softball on the swim team. So mm -hmm. Pete was always doing something. Free stuff. And the truth of the matter is, when kids are small, they don't know. The, that the parents are struggling, and we didn't talk about it. We yeah. didn't talk about it to you all about it. Now, from my vantage point, though, when you talk about the money side, I think that there is some uh, pain, mm -hmm. and I'm speaking purely from a man's standpoint, and there is some joy, yeah. you know, and, and some growth. From a pain standpoint, I have to talk about the challenge of, of providing for a family. I'm working consistently, got a job, but I'm not making a lot of money. Yeah. I'm getting some money from the church, but it's not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So things were kind of like, if you pay your bills and we had started tithing, it was nothing left over. Yeah. I mean, it, it was nothing left over. And so from an emotional standpoint, it was tough. Mentally, it was just tough. And I thought about several instances where it was just tough for me. Uh, you know, the, the time a person in the church asked me to get, a to get a haircut because the hair was going down my neck. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, this is real life. I was thinking, won't you, do won't you give me the money to get a haircut? Because yeah. once you pay them bills, we didn't have the money for mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and to get a haircut. So you was going from paycheck to paycheck. We are going yeah. from paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. We could save a lot of money. We can provide money for y'all to go to college. We we couldn't do nothing like that. We couldn't mm -hmm. get no plan where we go. We were living from payday to payday. I was working at the church. I, I had gone and ministered full-time at the church mm -hmm. in 1985. I'm at the church. And there was a, a gas station across the street from our first campus. Mm -hmm. And it was, they had... Candy and drinks and stuff in there. And I'm sitting over at the church. I'm full time. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted a soda. I can't go over there and get a soda. <laughs> I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have the money to go across the street. And we had a petty cash thing at the thing. And I'm thinking, dog, I wish I could, you know, at least get a little of that petty cash and go over there and get me yeah. something, you know, snack yeah. or something. But I knew that petty cash didn't belong to, it you. Didn't belong to us. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't designated for me to just buy stuff out of it. So I never touched that. We was in the, I'm talking about the pain side. We mm -hmm. was and uh, I think it's Goldbro uh, Department Store downtown. I had no business in that store. It was it was over mo a Mother's Day, and I picked up two items in the store. Pete and I, she walking around. I picked up one cost six dollars. Another cost six dollars. Gonna get one to her mother for Mother's Day, one for mine. When I had them things in my head, about twelve dollars for both of them. Pete looked at me and said, "We can't afford both of those." She said, "We can't afford." <laughs> We can't afford both of those. And I'm a pastor and I'm a preacher. I'm thinking we can't afford both of these. <laughs> I, I burst out crying. 
I mean, just in front of everybody Ooh, in the store. They didn't have no Dollar Tree back then. They didn't yeah. have no Dollar Tree back then. It would have been great been if, good. if had they had a Dollar, Dollar Tree. Tree. Man, I burst out crying. I was so embarrassed. And, and the, the, per, the person that was uh, the salesperson came over to me and saw me crying. And they walked off and stuff like that. And Pete didn't know what to do. He was like, she was like that. And I, was, I just burst out in front of everybody in the store crying because yeah. I couldn't afford it. And I left Pete in the store. I went out <laughs> of my car. I was so mad. I was just so mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at everybody. Yeah. It was tough. I mean, I was thinking, like, I cannot afford that. I think about the time things start getting better. Mm-hmm. We start growing. And we was down in Atlanta in the mall. And we was in the St. John section just looking. Because we ain't going to buy that. So we just looking. And I was thinking, sure, wish I could buy pizza. <laughs> I was going down the escalator. And I was, I didn't want to break out crying no more. So I was fighting back the tears. And I was thinking to myself, one day I'm going to be able to buy stuff. Yeah. And I'm confessing the word. I And then I started hearing about prosperity. I started preaching about prosperity. And a church invited me to preach on pro- preach at their church. So I'm going to teach on prosperity. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them people to see my car because I got to go in there and teach on God wants you to prosper. <laughs> so I What pa- kind of car you had? I had the little Cavalier Pete's uh, Pete, uh, dad uh, blessed us. He said that, okay, yeah. I'm going to give you the money. To buy your new car, mm-hmm. and you can just pay me back. No, so we sign- have to pay the I didn't have to sign nothing. That's nice. He wanted to help us, so I have to pay, pay the interest. So he gave me something. It made about seven thousand, about seven thousand dollars, and I bought this Chevrolet Cavalier. I thought that was a Mercedes, boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was exciting. And then all of a sudden, I got. A, I'm preaching on prosperity now because I don't heard the word. Ain't no prosperity nowhere in our life, but I'm preaching it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go to the church. And park in front of the church because they're gonna park the, the, the guest speaker in front of the church. Mm-hmm. So I parked down the street and walked down to the church mm-hmm. and then talked on prosperity. When I finished talking prosperity, I came back and walked out. Now the joy of it mm-hmm. was that we were still moving mm-hmm. and we enjoyed every place. Mm-hmm. Pete never pressured me about money. Mm-hmm. That helped me. She never pressured me. Uh and we moved from uh, Mama's house into our little house, and we were so excited. Then we believed God, and we got in our first starter house. We was excited. Then we built a house. Yeah. And that first house, we, we paid, paid that off. Paid that off in six years, and then we moved into the house that we're in. I say this. I think we learn, and some people have to learn, to reconcile your dream mm-hmm. with reality. That's good. Yeah. Some people, we never try to live in our dream. Mm -hmm. We were believing God for the dream, Mm -hmm. confessing the word. We start tithing and giving. We were believing for it, but we weren't Mm -hmm. walking in it. Mm -hmm. But we decided that we were going to operate in our reality and then confess the dream. So our money venture was progressive. Like the Bible says, first the blade, then the ear. I think... We're in the full corner in the ear, but there's another level to that even now. But our our journey, our journey yeah. was progressive. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we got some victories. Yeah. 
You know, the car was a victory. Uh, the first house that I started house was a victory. Mm-hmm. God just gave us some victories along the way to keep us, but we never had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But even that, that progressive, it didn't just happen because we were Christians. We were consistent tithers. We put God in remembrance of his word and we meditated on the era of prosperity. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to ask you um, is what, what advice would you give somebody? Because some people may not be in a struggle phase, but they're, they're not seeing the dreams that they kind of are wanting to live in right now, but they're doing the word. So what advice would you give somebody who are not really seeing the manifestation, but they are doing the word at the same time? Well, I think it's consistency. Uh, because here, think about it now. We we don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We got to believe for everything mm-hmm. beyond paying our bills and tithing. Everything else we got to believe for. Consistently listening to the word. Mm-hmm. We were consistently making confessions. And over a period of time, now we actually increased our tithe. Mm-hmm. We went from 10%, 10%. 10% to 12%. To 13%, we went to 15%, we went to 18%, we went to 20%. So now, every time we tied to 10%, we were actually giving a, a 10% offering every time because the tithe now is 20% for us. God said, I want you to, I want you to. Uh, growing your giving. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't overnight. That was the thing. But we never fussed about money. Yeah. I mean, other than the time when you, uh, the Easter dress. Oh, one time I wanted to buy you an Easter dress. Michael K, God, God mom had bought him something. And uh, so I had came home from work then. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't working. So Mike said we couldn't charge you an Easter dress. And you, you was a little girl. Yo, you didn't get no hair to about two years old. <laughs> and so everybody else, so I had to make you, you know, cute you up a little more because you was a little bald-headed. And so everybody else at the church, they was talking about, oh, yeah, she getting a new Easter dress. And I'm thinking, you the pastor of the church. <laughs> and your little girl going to cook. Oh, uh-uh. So I was like. Uh, he said, no, we can't charge. I was like, that devil is a lie. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to charge. That, that was today. her attitude for real. Uh, that was her attitude. Uh, the devil is a lie. I'm going to get it. Because she got to represent you. You the pastor. And so what happened, God God knew he knew my desires and wants. So your birthday always come around um, Easter, Easter, April, uh, April 5th. And so my mama and my sister bless you with an Easter dress. But if they hadn't, you were getting that Easter dress. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this, because we have a lot more that we're gonna cover. Um, but who maybe we can discuss that in the mature in the mature years, but finances now, how do y'all do the finances now? Who takes care of the finances and well we used to always do the bills together. Okay. So we knew what bills came in, we knew what each other made. And then I got sick. I got sick and mm-hmm. I was challenged. And so Pastor Mike began to take over the bills. Then I got well, so I just let him. <laughs> <laughs> so it went by choice. Uh-uh. I just let him continue <laughs> to keep the bills. Let him continue to keep the bills because I trust him, you know. Okay. All right. So if you're watching, remember, please be sure to share this. Invite somebody on. You still have time. We have time left. So we talked about money. The next phase that we're going to kind of transition to is children. Okay. So, um, when were you all on board about having children and, and what were your thoughts after your first and second child? Okay, we did, we were married four years before we had kids, honey. Okay. We had to, 
We had to get to know we couldn't we we bring afford, no children. children. Yeah, we, we couldn't bring no children in that mess. <laughs> so for four years, we didn't have children. So um, we didn't have any problems with having kids. So uh, we believe God for a boy. Mm-hmm. And we got a boy. Believe God for a girl. Got a girl. Um, the dynamics of children changed our relationship in a positive way. And then it was a few little, you know, naturally you got uh, more time with the kid. They can't, they can't eat. They can't change the, go to the bathroom. They can't do <laughs> They nothing. depended on you. Yeah, they're very dependent on you. So naturally you don't have as much time um, with your kids. So in the early phase of having children, you know, I, we, sp- I, we spent a lot of time, you know, we had um, division of duties. One night he got up with the kid. One, and we both working now. One night I got up with the kid. It wasn't just me getting up with the kids every night. Michael had a very active role in you and uh, Michael K's upbringing. So it's a lot of time spent with the kid and an infant and a toddler age. Mm-hmm. But then even when they get to the teen ages and the uh, preteen. There for us, it was a lot of time, energy, and effort, money too, because you all were active in everything softball, baseball, um, gymnastics, basketball, a swim team. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's a lot of time early as an infant, but for us, it was a lot of time, energy, and effort, even as, um, as you all matured, but we enjoyed it. You all were a joy, were mm-hmm. a joy to us. Um, uh, Michael could say, um, when you all were in school, he was at work and I was at home. Uh, and the reason I came home. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, because yeah. it, it's some people who were at home or at home moms. So, you started off, you were working when you had kids or? I was working. Okay, so you was working when you had kids. So, how did that transition from working to being a stay at home mom? Well, back then, I didn't see a lot of black women staying at home with their kids. It was mm-hmm. a lady named Diane Jameson. She gave me the vision of being able to stay home with the kids. Mm-hmm. But I was working at, um, for the city of Birmingham. Pastor Mike was pastoring. I hated my job. I mm-hmm. hated it. I cried every day. On my lunch hour, I came to the mm-hmm. church crying, didn't go back. I hated my job. And then the person that was keeping you, uh, after a while, me and Pastor Mike, you would cry. You started off not crying. Then later, you would cry every morning. Just It was something different about you uh, not wanting to stay there. Mm-hmm. So in our spirit, we felt uneasy. Because mm-hmm. it was a little boy. It was a little boy that was that the lady was keeping too. So we felt uneasy in our spirit that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And so the combination of me not liking my job, the babysitter that was keeping you, we felt uncomfortable in our spirit. So we came to the conclusion together that I was going to come home. And so my employers was like, oh, girl, how are you going to make it just on one salary? But we did. So there were a lot of things that I uh, had to give up. But at the same time, my mindset is a lack of money. It's not going to stop me from doing things with my Mm -hmm. kids. So uh, you all were never able to go to summer camp Mm because we couldn't afford it. I was the summer camp director. Mm -hmm. I took y'all free swimming classes, the library, uh, I found free stuff. I searched and searched and did a lot of activities with you. So um, we made it through. And okay. I couponed. So that was your perspective, okay? So you you had the perspective of you coming home. 
Now, we just talked about money. Yeah. And she yeah. leaving her job. What What was it like for you, we, for her? We were, we were on the same page with her coming home. Okay. Now, mentally, though, emotionally, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. Got, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, we got to we gotta believe God. Yeah. Because, see, now we don't have her income. Don't have her income. So we got to believe God. And so it was... It was when I look back, mm -hmm. it was one of the best decisions that we ever made as a couple mm. was for her to come home and to oversee you all. And I'll share with you uh, why. And, and I think that I was very involved in y'all life. Mm -hmm. The only time I never could do anything with y'all was on Wednesday Bible study. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I could, because yeah, and, and that was understood. But other than that, I was always there. We were always doing stuff because y'all was always in everything from T-ball to Lily baseball to softball, mm -hmm. swim. Y'all were in everything. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. being there. But I honestly believe if somebody asked me, because I think you all turned out to be beautiful and wonderful and smart, we never had any negative other than you chewing gum and talking and me having to thank you all the time. <laughs> we never had any problems with our kids in terms of them. Well, one time, Mikey got influenced. <laughs> I, I had bought, Michael Caney coming for you. <laughs> we had bought Michael Caney his senior years a new car, and our philosophy was... Uh, you got to be very careful with who get in this car and what kind of music you play in this car because God bless you with a paid car, paid, brand new paid car. So one day I came, went down in the basement and going to cut on this car and he had some inappropriate, you know, cussing music, that rap stuff. Oh, I was livid. And so... Uh, for I think we grounded him for a week. Yeah, he let um, somebody want somebody riding in the yeah, car. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I think I was in the car with him. That, yeah. <laughs> he let somebody, he let somebody <laughs> a guy was drunk, and he took him home, and I was like, if they stop the car, they're going to arrest all of you. So I'm trying to teach him oh, a lesson. I wasn't with him on that one. Uh-huh, you probably was. <laughs> but I said, if they, if they stop you and he drunk, they're not going to... Think about your good efforts to try. They're gonna arrest everybody in the car. But other than that, and, yeah. And he had he had uh, somebody in that car. Yeah. And uh, I did the Bible on it. I said, well, you know, Adam and Eve lost the garden, and I said, you're gonna lose the car for a while. So we grounded him on using the car. Now Tiffany, remember Tiffany? <sighs> Tiffany always was in trouble. Not me. Yeah, always in trouble at school about gum and talking. Talking. Always in, and I used to spank Tiffany all the time. I one time I said Tiffany, I said Tiffany, I am tired, Tiffany. I'm just tired. You remember you spanked me in high school? No, I ain't spanked you in high school. Yes, you did. You spanked me my twelfth grade year. I remember what? it. Did I? Did you remember? <laughs> Because you was like, oh, you're going to cry today. You don't remember when you spanked You weren't no 12th grader. I was in the 12th grade. Oh, yeah. I said, you're going to. It was Tiffany was like this. She said, because oh. I used to spank them on so their butt. So don't, we don't recommend, we don't recommend that. spanking we're, no 12th grader yeah, and I, stuff I like that. I spanked her on her butt. Uh. <laughs> okay, <you> <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Tiffany, uh, 
I thought it was a joy though. Yeah. I thought our kids were a joy. I don't And then we uh we we got a foster kid. Okay. We fostered a foster kid right. a for a little while. Um and I was intent we've intended to adopt her. Yeah, but she got out on a little line. She respected Pastor Mike, didn't respect me. And so that wasn't gonna work. But even today we have a good relationship and, with her. And so God gave me another daughter with Landy. Mm -hmm. And so we got another daughter. Mm -hmm. And that was beautiful, even though we had some challenges. It and you did Bible study with the kids. I did Bible study. And with I God. did we didn't look to the church uh workers and the church church teachers to teach you all the Bible, Pastor Mike taught y'all the Bible, and I kind of helped with the homework and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So we were a team in mm -hmm. raising the kids. It wasn't just me raising you all by myself. It was a team effort, yeah. and I think we did a pretty good yeah. job. So people at home are kind of getting a glimpse of what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom, but, you know, you did different activities and different things like that. What did the division of labor look like for you staying at home, and what advice would you give for people who are currently being staying-at-home's moms, not by choice, but they currently are? What advice would you give them on being creative and finding different things to do with their kids? Well, you know, it's you just got to search and find free things. Now, I don't know. They used to, Mac Alpine used to have free swimming lessons. Inslee Harris Park used to have free swimming lessons. The library, I think they still have the free summer reading program. And then you read so many books at the end of the summer, you get a get a prize or stuff like that. There are always free things out there to do. And then you got to think outside the box and be creative with your own kids. As far as the vision of labor, naturally, if I'm not working, I'm able to do a little more than him. But even at that, Pastor Mike still washed the dishes sometimes, mm -hmm. you know. Well, you know, like I said, uh, if I, I had to choose, we both were involved, but if I had to choose who had the greatest influence on y'all and turning out the way you all turn out, it would be Pete. Mm -hmm. Because she was such a great mother. I think, I think though, Pete struggled some after a while emotionally with being at home because she was used to working. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of self-esteem when you're working and you got your job and all that. And now she's at home. Yeah. And sometimes at stay-at-home mothers deal emotionally with, am I a success and is it important and and I'm not bringing money in and all that. And so she had to work through that emotional mm -hmm. thing uh, because, see, God was doing something. Think about it. Y'all got saved at an early age, got filled with the Spirit, have been in church all y'all life, mm -hmm. and... And so we never had any serious issues, but I think she was dealing with the fact of, am I successful? Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't, you have a college degree in something and you, you're thinking, you know, I went to college for this, you know? But yeah. it's kind of a battle between you want to be with your kids, but at the same time you want to right. want friends and be able to do stuff, so it's a battle. What I would say is that it's temporary mm -hmm. unless you're going to have 20, 40 kids. You know, <laughs> it might be long-lasting, long but I just had two, and that was temporary. Once you all were uh, grown, then I did go back to work. Now, in the ministry, what did quality time look like for you with, with the kids? Uh, quality time to me was the same as with Pete because a lot of activities happen. Certain events happen on the weekend. Mm -hmm. So usually... 
on Saturdays, you know, I could be there. Uh, some days that she did things with y'all during the day, I couldn't, I couldn't be there with y'all during the day. But whenever y'all had a concert, band concert, or a baseball game, or something like that, I was always like, going to try mm-hmm. to do that. And then yeah. when you went to college, I put your home schedule on my calendar. Mm-hmm. So you just have to work it. So you all, for us children, was a joy. Good. It was a priority. I think I was trying to think what was the real drama. I don't think we had no real drama when it came to the kids. Mm-hmm. All right. So we, we, we have a next topic. Okay. <laughs> now they're going to be open. They're going to be candid. So, you know, extend grace. But the next topic, <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. Okay. So I want y'all intimacy. to. Let's, let's, intimacy. Intimacy. So let's, let's <laughs> not think that you're talking to your daughter. Okay. You're talking to the facilitator. Okay. What does intimacy look like for you, for you all? Uh, like I said on the previous broadcast, at the beginning, Okay, so this um, is before kids. Before kids, it was great. Sex was wonderful. Sex was wonderful. Okay. After kids, man, you you spending time. You you know you trying to nurture that baby. Then uh, one part I was working, mm-hmm. so you trying to work. You dealing with the mental issues that you're being challenged with, the self worth. Then you trying to cook. You trying to clean, and then. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for and then all that, and then when the nighttime come, baby, you tired. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Now, were so, you an affectionate person? Well, um, well, well, let me talk about my side. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me talk about my side. Okay. Okay. Uh, bef- uh, when we first got married, sex was wonderful. Remember, part of us getting married before we were prepared is because we didn't want to okay. we didn't want to have sex outside of marriage mm-hmm. so, but sex was good okay outside of marriage <laughs> it was good but we didn't want to do that yeah okay so we got married and when we first got married it worked mm-hmm. it was good it was good when y'all showed up <laughs> <laughs> when Mike and Tiffany, when you and Tiffany, and Mike showed up, how was it, Pete? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to talk about sex okay. and, and about that from a pain and from a growth side. Okay. Okay. From the pain side, it was tough. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to have sex. She didn't, she didn't want to have sex. I'm, I'm thinking like... <laughs> She don't want to have sex. <laughs> hey, now think about it. Here I am. I've gotten married. Because I want to live the same life. I want to mm-hmm. be right. And it's it's legal. The sex is legal. Mm-hmm. And my wife don't want to have no sex. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, this can't be real. <laughs> <laughs> but what's your, what are, what's your wife doing? Your wife hey, is doing the most. Hey, your hey, wife was doing the most. Hey, she didn't want sex. <laughs> and told me she was. <laughs> oh, you told her? Oh, yeah, she told me. She said, she said I can go without sex. <laughs> I was thinking like, 
You can go with that. She said, I can go with that sex. I don't have to ever. <laughs> she told me, I don't have to ever have sex. So here I am. I'm frustrated. I'm tempted. I'm all this. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm serious. It was pain for my little ego was shot, you know, because I was, I was thinking. You had some issues too. Uh, uh, we ain't rejection. talking about my issues. We, talk, we, we, we ain't talking about my issues. We talking about not having no sex for long periods of time, like long periods of time. And so I'm thinking like. So what you do? And I told her, I said, now, Pete, I told her. I you told her. If I was a Christian, man, if I was a, I, if I'm saying you wouldn't be doing I it I like said, that. you don't really do me like that. Cause <laughs> I said, only you do me like that is because I'm, I'm saved. <laughs> and you don't think I'm going to do nothing. So you, <laughs> I said, you do me like this because I'm, I'm saved. Oh. And I, you, you feel like I ain't going to do nothing. Mm, and then right. tell me I can't do nothing. She well, tell me. Well, let me ask you And this. then she tell me. <laughs> let me ask you this. Don't you think that sex is mental as Why well? Why not? No. Talk, we ain't talking about that. I'm talking about... <laughs> he's, still, he's still giving... He's that, still that, giving... That ain't what we're going to... We're going to talk about that. 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 Listen, I'm talking about my pain. Okay, he's going to get to that You ain't in pain no more. Yeah, I, no, it's wonderful. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in gonna, the tree. We're going to talk about that next week. We talking... Pain. Okay. Okay. And it was tempted. I was tempted. I I go to her and I tell her, I said, Pete, I'm tempted now. I, I'm tempted. And then she would try. <laughs> <laughs> she would do it. And then we had sex with like it was, it, was, it, was, it was like, are you finished? <laughs> like, like, are you finished? It was like I knew, listen, I knew that, I knew she want no sex. She we loved each other. Now she loved me, but she want no sex. She want no sex. You just tired. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. She want any yeah. sex, and I'm a guy. Okay. And I'm around women all the time, and she don't want any sex. So I talked to her, and then I was telling her, and I'm t I was talking to the Lord all the time. I was saying, Lord... You got to help me. Mm -hmm. I went to the Lord one time, and I, I'll tell you later what I learned okay. about this. I went to the Lord, and I said, God, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about temptation. I told her, I said, I'm struggling now. And I said, and, and there were several things that happened during that time, because mm -hmm. I done went crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I done went crazy. I really <laughs> did, because I felt like I was losing my mind. <laughs> Okay, uh, God spoke to me because one time I was literally on the floor because I was reading about all these pastors and mm -hmm. ministers and great ministers. They would do something great, then they fall. Mm -hmm. All this scandal and stuff like that. I was on the floor crying and telling God, I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want no scandal and all that. And I got up and I was in the Word, and God said, "You shall both do great things and prevail." Mm -hmm. I quit. That was a word that jumped out at me. You shall do both great things and prevail. And I heard the Spirit of God let me know you ain't gonna fall, mm -hmm. and you're not gonna have that in your life. Mm -hmm. So I was standing on that, mm -hmm. and then uh, I went to Him. I said, "Lord, I, I, you know, I'm struggling now." And the Spirit of God spoke to me, and I heard Him just like you hear me now. He said. Ask me for more grace. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I prayed. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit of God really, mm -hmm. the Spirit of God really 
helped me mm -hmm. uh, during that time. Now, when, when we get into the dynamics, because she's going to talk about the dynamics, mm -hmm. I'll share with you something that I learned about that. Well, you can go ahead and talk about it because you said for you it was a mental, it was a mental aspect of it, right? Yeah. Sex is sex don't start in the bedroom. Sex starts before you get to the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And and for a woman, I never been a man, so I can't speak from a man's perspective. Uh, it's mental. So if you're mentally, you know, you're tired, you're physically tired, you're mentally not in there, mm -hmm. uh, you can go in the bedroom and have sex, but enjoying it. I would do it, but I didn't really enjoy it because there was all kind of other stuff that's floating in my mind. So sex don't start mm -hmm. in the bedroom. Were you an affectionate person? Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> so how did you become a little bit more affectionate? Uh, well, I, I think my lack of affection had to do again with childhood bringing. I didn't come from an affectionate family. Mm -hmm. They expressed their love through gifts. Mm -hmm. um, but Pastor Mike came from a kissy, lovey, I love you, I love you, baby, I love you, kissy, mm -hmm. huggy, filly kind of family. I did not come. You know, I knew my mom and daddy mm -hmm. loved me, but they didn't say it. Yeah. But I knew it from their acts of service mm -hmm. that they really loved me. So here you are, two individuals. My love language is like gifts. You, you kind of tell me through gifts. And quality time. And quality time. More quality the time. time than mm -hmm. gifts. Than gifts, and then you got him. Uh, he over here, his is acts of uh, no uh, physical touch, physical touch, and stuff. So, we were raised in two different kind of environments. Mine was a not a touchy feely kind of environment, and his was a touchy feely. And so, when you get married, that ain't gonna disappear, yeah. You know, you got to renew your mind and get, get in God's word to renew your mind. And Michael, he'll tell somebody, Man, I love you. I was like, how can you tell somebody <laughs> you love them? So I just didn't understand when he would tell people, I love you. Uh, we even got into a fuss one time. He told somebody to love. Because to me, when you tell somebody, I love you. He got mad at me. I got mad at him. When you tell somebody, I love you, that that's... I'm going to come know, back to that one. It was a lady. And, and Pastor Mike just said, he said, I love you. And he don't be mean to nothing to it like that, right? And what you do? But I'm thinking... Uh, she went oh, mad. I went off on me. She went off on me. I went off. On One time. Him. One time I went off. One I time. mean, all the way off. Because I was looking through his phone. All the way I don't off. know what made me look through his phone that day, but I looked through his phone and then she said, I love you. And I said, he said, I love you. Now, to me, I'm that don't mean nothing. But to me, you know how you love her? Oh, I went all the way off. I went so off on Pastor Mike, I rattled him. He was going, driving out the. Out the garage and he tore the whole left <laughs> mirror off. I rattled him. I went there with him. I We gonna talk about conflict in a minute. Yeah, I went there with him. But um so we came from two I came from a not touchy feely family and mm -hmm. he came from a touchy feely. So I uh, once again our past yeah. had an influence on our relationship. So what advice we're gonna come to your your thoughts and opinions, okay. but what advice would you give to a wife who may be tired, who may not be affectionate, but their husband is struggling in the intimacy area. What would you, what advice would you give the, the wife? Uh, I, I, okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm, I, I was going to throw the wife in there, but you go ahead. You know, when you got kids, this that's real. You, you know, if you're working and then you got to attend to them, help them with homework. Um, what I heard Dr. Betty Price said one time, 
uh, that really blessed me was that she scheduled it, mm-hmm. scheduled time mm-hmm. in. And so we began to schedule time in. Yeah. Yeah. When I wasn't tired, when I wasn't challenged. And then eventually changed yeah, into what you didn't have to schedule. So what what was your... Well, see... The, what did you learn? Uh, well, the, the sex part... I think for, well, some women struggle with sex, too, because they want sex mm-hmm. and the husband don't. Mm-hmm. But normally it's the husband that want more sex than the wife does. Mm-hmm. So for me, here again, background plays a lot into it. And that's why God knows who you will match with and, mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. I think, I think... For me, it was emotional. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was it was my background. I came out of background where my birth parents didn't raise me, but my parents that raised me, both my dad and my mom that raised me, they were affectionate. Mm-hmm. Like my mother would be hugging me mm-hmm. and and calling, you know, bragging on me, and 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 so my dad said, "I love you, sweetheart," and mm-hmm. all that. So. I was from a whole different background from her. Mm-hmm. So I I wanna I wanna I wanna get it on, you know what I mean? And and she wasn't as affectionate. And so mm-hmm. for me, I thought that was cold. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought she was cold. But you know, there was there were several things that I learned about it. One related to her, because every time I tried to sit God on her, he never did talk negative about her. Mm-hmm. You know how you sick a dog on somebody mm-hmm. like a cat? And so I always tried to get like, God, God, you need to get her. You need to get her because mm-hmm. she's doing me wrong. You know, I'm, you know, she doing she wrong. But God never, he never once said one thing negative about Pete. Mm-hmm. Never said one thing. He said one thing to me, she'd be like a fruitful vine by the side. That's the only thing he never said anything negative about her. What I learned about the sex thing and even the temptation thing, mm-hmm. what God was teaching me in hindsight is 2020, is it wasn't just being faithful to her. Because mm-hmm. when you are <clears throat> needy at home and you're not getting the affection or sex or attention at home, you're tempted to go outside mm-hmm. and you you you, you want to go outside the marriage. Mm-hmm. And what God was showing me was it wasn't just about being faithful to her. Yeah. Because no spouse can keep you. Mm-hmm. If you want to do wrong, I don't, uh, they can put a humming device, uh, a tracking device on you. You'll find a way to yeah. get around it. But God taught me Something that I think Joseph knew, and I didn't know none of this. Mm -hmm. I didn't know none of this. This is hindsight. (laughs) It wasn't about being faithful to her Mm -hmm. because I wanted wanted to sin. Mm -hmm. I really did. I wanted wanted to go somewhere. He taught me that it wasn't just about my relationship with her. It was Mm -hmm. about my relationship with him. That's good. It wasn't about whether I could get away with it or all that. It was about me being faithful to him. Mm-hmm. And, and and did I love him? Mm-hmm. And if I loved him, if I never got sex at home, yeah. 
I had to obey what he was saying to me. And so that helped me. There was another thing, and Pete brought this up. Because I had issues with rejection. She's dealing with some so left so uh, low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But I had some rejection issues. So I'm not healthy. Yeah. So not having sex with me was not loving me. It felt like rejection to you. Oh, it was it was another area of rejection. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, I got into this and mm-hmm. I called myself trying to obey you. And now she don't want me, so I'm dealing with all this rejection stuff. Mm-hmm. But there was something else that I think helped me for, from the whole thing is when what God was teaching me was about, because I thought she was the whole problem. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. I thought this child right here is the whole problem. <laughs> but what God was teaching me is that I was the leader of my home. Mm-hmm. I was the leader. He saw me as the leader, and I wasn't an example to her, but I didn't know I wasn't an example to her. Mm. Okay, I wanted something from her, you know, and she wasn't giving me that. But I wasn't leading her Mm because a part of leading her was to be an example to her. Mm -hmm. A part of leading her was to be concerned about what was going on with her. Mm -hmm. I wasn't concerned about what was going on with her. I was concerned about what was going on with, with me. And... What I learned out of the whole sex intimacy thing is that it's hard for somebody to love you in an intimate way mm-hmm. if you have anything in front of them. In other words, it's a lot of ways to have affairs. Mm-hmm. I was having an affair with the church. Mm-hmm. Some people have an affair with their job. Some people, they have an affair with their children. Some people have an affair with their families. Mm -hmm. They put somebody above above their spouse. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it, but I had put the church above her. Mm -hmm. She knew she wasn't first. She knew that it wasn't, she wasn't first in my life. Mm -hmm. She knew that I was willing to choose that church over her. She knew that she never felt like she was the first person Mm -hmm. in my life. She, she was competing with the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was being unfaithful to her in the church. You can't want somebody if they unfaithful, they unfaithful with somebody else. And I didn't understand that. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that. How's she going to respond to me when she know even sexually, because there, she talked about all this stuff tied into it, mm-hmm. okay? Money's tied into it. Self-esteem is tied into it. Her feeling secure is tied into it. Mm-hmm. Her feeling like, okay, this man loved me above anything else. And I ain't talking about Jesus now, because I confuse ministry with my love for God. Yeah. And see... Family in in the Bible always came before the church. Mm -hmm. God created the marriage before he created the church. Before the nation of Israel was created, it was Sarah and Abraham. Before Jesus, it was Joseph and Mary. So family is always supposed to be, and your spouse is always supposed to be ahead of the church and my Mm -hmm. work in the church. Mm -hmm. And she knew that this was before her. So she couldn't really respond to me because she she didn't feel like she was a priority. And so I had to learn that. And it took me a lot of years to stop pointing the finger at her and to just try to help her. Yeah. And I think it turned around. Yeah. 
it turned around because I remember I decided, okay, on Monday is going to be peace day. Mm-hmm. I decided I wasn't going to preach on Mondays. I wasn't going to do nothing. In fact, mm-hmm. I told the church, if y'all died on Monday, I'm going to try to have your funeral on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So everybody at the church began to know, okay, mm-hmm. Monday is Miss Peace Day. Mm-hmm. That's the day. Just some things like that. To prioritize a person. When yeah. you prioritize a person, the person will prioritize you. Yeah. Because, see, she was moving toward the kids. She was pouring her life into kids mm-hmm. because I had the church in front of her. Mm-hmm. So all those dynamics are connected to sex mm-hmm. and intimacy. That's a good transition. And um, we're going to discuss conflict in just a second because that could be an issue for why intimacy may not be um, happening in the moment. But we do want to respect you all's time. So if you are watching, we ask that you give us a few more minutes so we can um, discuss the area of conflict. If you have to go, you can always come back and watch the replay. So when you think about conflict, how did you all deal with conflict in your growth years of marriage? Uh, we didn't do no fighting. You know, some people physically fight. No fight. We didn't do no fighting. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any cussing. No cussing. We weren't disrespectful. Didn't yeah. call each other names. Didn't call each other names. We didn't leave the home. Mm-hmm. Never talked about divorce. So let's let's bring it to an example. So you, you got mad that, that one particular day, and then he ran into the drive or to the garage. How did y'all handle that conflict? Uh, I had disrespected him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because there was not saying I had disrespected him, so I apologize. Okay. Because really, to be honest with you, it one it was an innocent thing. I tell yeah. people I love you all the time. Yeah, it wasn't like. I was going with somebody and yeah. nothing like that, and I thought she overreacted. Mm-hmm. But but you gotta look at it if you coming from a family that don't. Use if that. I tell you I love you, mm-hmm. it's major. Mm-hmm. Okay, in my family. Yeah. Like my mom never the whole her whole life never said I love me till on her deathbed, you know, a couple of days before she died, she said I love you. Mm. And so if I tell you I love you, that's major to yeah. me. And but if he tell you I love you, you know, it's it's just um it was just confusing. So I'm looking out of my eye grid what that means, I love you. Yeah. He's looking at it, and so it's it was a that's an misunderstanding. An, that's an anomaly, though. To be honest with you, we're going to talk about the conflict, because we ain't handle it well. Yeah. But really, to be honest with you, so people don't think that that's the issue, mm-hmm. Pete was never a jealous wife. Yeah. That's she, oh, no. Listen, I'm around women all the time, have been around women for years. I never had to come home and say this is... I was telling if I'm going to eat lunch with somebody, mm-hmm. I always try to let her know. Right. But it was never no... I think that day... You that never day. gave a reason to... Listen, to, no, to no. It, we, she was never jealous. That helped me yeah. as a pastor because I couldn't handle a jealous wife. Right. Uh, that's, wanted- that's what throwed me that day. <laughs> I think the devil just came <laughs> Listen, that that throwed me. I'm thinking like, well, we've never dealt with this. So, and, and she was never jealous. So yeah. that day was like, what is wrong? So how did you come to the realization that you needed to apologize? You didn't do that right. Because well, she didn't you know, do that right. I didn't do that right. But previous, before that experience, how I used to deal with conflict, <laughs> I get quiet. <laughs> I wouldn't speak to Michael. For a week, I know I went a week. He'd get up in the so morning. Wait, you would and I a, say so nothing. you would get into a, a disagreement. You would go a whole week and wouldn't say, "Hey, 
Mm-hmm. We say nothing. And then he asked me, he said, how'd you do that? How'd you do that? And you got all that word in you. How'd you do it? Now, I ain't like you to you throw up. You went seven days. Seven days. And I'm going to add something to that. <laughs> he said, how'd you do that? And you got all that word. So I don't like you to throw up at me. I know the scripture about the word, go to bed, not anger. Mm-hmm. I ain't like you throwing no scripture up in me. Oh, he, he threw said, the word up on you? Yeah, he said, how you going to bed? And he got all that word up on I said like this. <laughs> you said what? And she tell like me this. that. She tell me that. She tell me that. This, she would tell me, I, "How you gonna sleep like that?" <sighs> so I did. So I did the silent. I did the silent truth. Okay, treatment. so you didn't handle conflict correctly. I didn't handle so conflict. So what? Would, how, what was your thoughts on? Okay, on let me tell you about the conflict. Okay. Okay. P. It was personal. So if we got to arguing about something, it was like it was a personal attack, attack on, on mm-hmm. uh, like I was attacking her. So mm-hmm. we it, we were struggling trying to separate it. Like I said, and I ain't attacking you. P, she said she went seven days. <laughs> seven days and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, that was sometimes she went over into the <laughs> she went over into the next week and ain't saying nothing to me. Nothing. And I'm thinking like, so that ain't, watch, my... this, watch this though. And then somebody call her on the phone. <laughs> girl, what's going on? I mean, I'm thinking like, she said nothing to me. So I know it's personal now. Because somebody called on the phone and she, she just normal. Like they talking and stuff like that. And then when she hang up the phone. <laughs> and then I asked her, I said, how in the world? I'm laying by her. Uh, she could snore uh, and be. Say, how you go to bed like that? I said. <laughs> I said, I don't know how you do that. I, uh, I just don't know how you. So I did. I did the silent treatment, but I I began as we matured in our relationship. Mm-hmm. I began. I I didn't like to confront, not just him, anybody else. But I began to study on confrontation. Now I'll confront you now. Mm-hmm. I I won't. I don't. Um, I matured in that area. Mm-hmm. I don't do the silent treatment anymore. I had to learn how I avoided people. Yeah. You know, uh, but out of sight, out of mind. But it's not really out of sight, out of mind. But I had to take several courses, uh, through Pastor Mike, a leadership class, stuff, individual stuff I did on my own. So now, if I feel like you have a problem against mm-hmm. me, I'll confront you directly. I, I nip it in the bud. I nip it in the bud. Originally, you would be quiet. And I would be it. quiet, oh. you know. Uh, but now, as a result of growing and maturing and getting information mm-hmm. and learning how to deal, taking classes on how to deal with conflict management, yeah. if I feel like you or anybody else have an issue against me now, I'll confront it. The Bible says, if it's possible, live peaceably without yeah. me. That don't mean that we we may come together on one accord. But at least you know where I am, and, I, and I'm going to try to end it, yeah. you know, good. But back in the then, I didn't have no, I just, just got silent on you. You know, what I, what hopefully people will see, usually when you, like, I, there was no abuse or nothing like that, but mm-hmm. you, we fuss quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But usually there is two problems and it's a two-sided thing. Mm-hmm. And when you in an argument, a lot of times 
you've contributed to it. It may not be all the time, but a lot of times mm-hmm. it's not one-sided. So P had that thing of shutting down and, and would tell me, you judging me. Mm-hmm. But I had sowed the seed in her mm-hmm. because early in our marriage, I did judge her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt like I knew more Bible scriptures than she did. Mm-hmm. So I was, I thought I was spiritual, but I wasn't spiritual. I was religious. Mm -hmm. I wasn't edifying her. I was telling her what the Bible said, and she ain't doing this, and you ain't doing that. Mm -hmm. And and I was very judgmental. Mm -hmm. So it spilled over. So whenever we were trying to talk it out, (laughs) she heard that person. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I was that person. I was was very self-righteous. And I was very judgmental, and I didn't know how to lead her, and I didn't know how to be an example to her. Yeah. I wanted to, but I didn't know how to. So the the, the communication was kind of like always tied into what we had experienced earlier. And, and even when we did disagree uh, for us, we never taught divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though there were times we probably wanted to divorce, but we never talked it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that contributed to that is my parents were married 59 years. Uh, I kind of knew some of their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, pa- and Pastor Mike's parents were married 50 years. So we came from uh, a history of long marriages. Yeah. Uh, not just married to be married. My mom loved my dad. My dad loved my mom. His mom and dad loved. So we came from an environment of a longevity Mm-hmm. And I never heard my parents talk with divorce, even though they probably did want to. Yeah. And I don't think mm-hmm. he he heard his parents. So, mm-hmm. you know, that had a part to, to so it. So what advice for people who are currently going through a conflict phase in their marriage? What advice would you give the people who are watching? Or he's more counsel. What I would give is listen more than you talk. Mm-hmm. And so Pete used to say all the time, you're not listening. Mm-hmm. You're not listening. Mm-hmm. And she said it over and over and over and over. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not listening. And I am a communicator. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a talker. And so I would tell couples to listen. And I would tell couples to self-evaluate. Because I think what really turned us around mm-hmm was self-evaluating. I remember Pete uh, going through uh, a period where for 40 days, she didn't watch no television. Mm -hmm. She just would end the word for 40 days because she was trying to get some wholeness in her. Well, that came a period of time where I began to realize that I wasn't as wonderful as I thought. Mm -hmm. Because I was driving along the road and the Spirit of God let me know that I was the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think he was saying that you're not an example. You're not spiritual. You're not that. But you think you are. So I was in all this pride. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at me. At Mm -hmm. first, I was looking at her. And I think in conflict situations, what the partners normally do, they look at them at the other person and what they're not doing, what they're not giving me, what they're saying, how they're acting. I think what turned our relationship around, and we'll talk next week about role models and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. word, 
was to begin to look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we both start looking at ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it helped us to get to a place where, and that's what God was trying to get me to do. I was trying to sit God on her and change her. My whole thing was, please change her. You got to change her. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't trying to change her, I was trying to get God to change her. God was trying to get me to change me. Mm -hmm. And when she started looking at her, I started looking at me. It's something that happens. Mm -hmm. There's a humility that flows. You're quicker to say I'm sorry. You're quicker to say I'm wrong. Yeah. So, um... Do y'all have any last few thoughts? We're, we're coming to the end. Any final thoughts that you guys wanted to share? Um, what? Well, yeah. Anything that we just discussed? Mm-mm. All right. So we talked this week. We talked about the growth phase of marriage. Next week, we're going to be discussing the mature phase of marriage. But before we end, we wanted to um, remind you all, if um, you have not, if you want some information um, about your marriage, you can go to MikeMoreMinistries.org. And currently during this entire um, few weeks that we're, we're talking about marriage, it will be 30% off. Um, and so some of the categories, if you go under Mike Moore Ministries, you can do CDs or MP3s. And some of the categories kind of like what we talked about today. Between the Sheets is a series that Pastor um, taught that you can help with your intimacy. That's one of them. Also, overcoming mommy guilt. So in the parenting phase, if that's something that you may be struggling with. And then also communication one-on-one is another CD that you can find on Mike Moore Ministries. Again, it's 30% off during this period and during this time. We want to thank you so much for your patience and for joining us. We hope that you guys enjoy this video Last time, remember to share this video. Let us know how you enjoyed it. And then also send us questions that you may have had during this time of sessions that we we were discussing. Any questions that you have on these topics, let us know and we'll answer those later on down the road. And next week, we're going to talk about where we are now. Yes, the mature years. We're in the mature years now. Thank you guys so much for watching us. We'll see you all next time.